Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening... To the Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and it's a great pleasure we bring you another incredible episode of All Things Cruise. Of course, this week we've got listener questions, we've got uh, cruise news, we've got maritime history, and we've got a bit of fact or fiction in there as well. Uh, a couple of thank yous, uh, firstly to Kerry. Uh, who uh, kindly supported us through Buy Me A Coffee and also sent in a great question, which we'll be answering in just a little while with Chris. In fact, let's get Chris on the line. Let's get started and let's get talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. And once again, it's time to welcome our good friend, maritime historian and all things cruise news back to the show. Chris, welcome back, mate. Thanks so much, Baz. It's great to be back. Yeah, you had a, an exciting week last week, which was, of course, you being up in Brisbane, yeah, helping uh, the P&O team uh, start the celebrations for their 90th anniversary. Mm. And uh, I thought we'd probably weave that in as maritime history. I know we've touched on the, the history of P&O in general and a little bit yeah. about P&O Australia, but let's focus on P&O Australia and how it all started and uh, bring us up to date. Yeah, for sure. So um, the the whole uh, activity last week was in celebration of the 90th anniversary of them doing dedicated Australian cruising, and that actually uh, started in in late 19 December of 1932. So we're a little bit past the 90th anniversary when the the P and O liner Strathaird um, did its first cruise out of Australia um, into into the Pacific Ocean, basically. So what happened was the ship itself was one of the Strath sisters. So they had a, a fleet of these big um, uh, liners that would do the line voyages to Australia. And uh, Strathaird was uh, was doing a longer duration turnaround due to the impacts of the, the Great Depression. There wasn't quite as much in the way of people moving from place to place, place on the line voyages. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they, they took her on a pleasure cruise and the trip went from Sydney to Brisbane 
as its first port of call, which is why the the um, anniversary celebrations kicked off in Brisbane because it was sort of like the, the first destination, I suppose, and then um, off to Norfolk Island. And what's really interesting is that that was the, the first time they, they did that as a like an organized cruise holiday. They had done some pleasure voyages on some of their other ships sporadically, but it was the first sort of one in what became a schedule of cruises. And so in 1933, which uh, of course is the, the 90th anniversary that we're celebrating now, they actually launched uh, a series of cruise holidays following the success of that first one on Strathaird. And it was run by um, Strathaird and the Strathnaver actually did one. There was a ship called Nakunda that did one um, and a few other P&O ships, they, they also did cruises. So a few of them were doing these, these voyages. And quite a lot of those trips would see the ships going from Sydney up to Brisbane and then onwards into the um, South Pacific. And mm-hmm. they, they, they had a, quite a strong focus on Norfolk Island to start with, but then over time they started to expand out into different parts of the, the South Pacific. So you see P&O um, pioneering uh, Australian cruises into to Fiji and um, to Vanuatu and onwards to New Zealand. Um, and then in 1934, so it'll be mm-hmm. uh, 90 years rather next year, they did their first circumnavigation of Australia, which is, ah. itself is quite an interesting little story because it was a passenger ship called the Cathay and she was sailing to Australia um, on the line voyage service and actually damaged her propeller while she was on her way here. So they pulled her out of service in Australia and then they decided that they'd repair her here and they did that. But then rather than just sending her straight back to the UK, P&O decided before sending her back on what would be her usual scheduled line voyage, they'll mm-hmm. send her on a round Australia cruise. So P&O sort of started this tradition, I guess, of pioneering Australian cruising from that first voyage that departed in late 1932. But it was really 1933 where they then committed to doing a, a dedicated schedule. These are the cruise voyages in advance. You can book them in advance. You can plan your, your cruise holiday around them. And, um, you know, that kind of started the the whole cruise uh, phenomenon that we, we've seen in Australia. And, of, of course, they've been so instrumental in building that, um, obviously, you know, in the, in the 19, mm-hmm. late 1970s, 1980s, they sent um, Oriana and Canberra here. Oriana was based here for a long period of time. Um, then they bought Sitmar and ran the Fair Star here. So that was, of mm. course, Australia's most loved cruise ship for, for at least a decade. Um, and then, you know, ever since then, they've had uh, Fair Princess, uh, Pacific Sky, Pacific Sun, Pacific Star, Pacific Dawn, Princess, you know, all, the, all these different yep, ships yep, that yep. have come in to, to run for them. Um, and it's really the only brand that's had that long, long, long heritage of running cruises out of Australia year-round, being based fully in Australia. So um, it was pretty special uh, to be there. And the event on uh, Pacific um, Encounter, it was she's fresh back from her refit. The ship's looking absolutely wonderful. And there was, um, uh, you know, the, the president of P&O was there. Uh, we had a big history display that um, I'd worked with um, Rob Henderson and Doug Kramer and Rochelle Cross oh, yeah, to put yep. together a lot of history that sort of we, we kind of traced through our, our book that we wrote. So we brought that to life on board the ship and uh, and worked with the wonderful team at P&O, and us, you know, local Australian team who are very passionate about their ships. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anastasia Palaszczuk was there from, from Queensland because they did some announcements about 
um, you know, the Queensland ports and that sort of oh, thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and Townsville apparently is getting dredged so they can take yep. cruise ships into Townsville. So, yeah, and Sherry was at the event as well. But just lots of other people. They had, I had a family there that had, um, this, this family, the, 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 the grandmother, I think it was, had met her, her husband. He was her cabin steward on a PO cruise. And then uh-huh. the, the family's now uh, cruising together. It's like three generations. And the, the, the daughter and her partner, they met on the ship. And there's all sorts of like family connections to cruising. So there was all, yeah. all sorts of different, um, different people talking about their different experiences on board. And, um, the crew was so happy to be there. There was an old fashioned streamer throwing into the, into the central area of the ship, you know, like you used to see in the olden days. So um, it was a very special event and yep. um, nice to see Australia acknowledging its pit place in the cruise history. And also I think you probably would have noticed as well, Baz, that there's been a lot more history-related media releases since COVID. Mm. And I think yeah, yeah. people are realising, like the cruise the cruise lines are realising that they actually have this this rich heritage that you know you and I've been banging on about for for years now, but <laughs> they they have like a lot to do with the way that things have developed in terms of tourism, transportation, and the way that um, economies have worked and that sort of thing. That it's it's really good to see them taking ownership of that and, and talking about their heritage, particularly now that we've had some time to pause and sort of um, relook at the the context of it all. It's, it's nice to see so many other cruise lines taking um, taking their history to heart, which is great. Yeah, it is, and I think. Exactly this weekend as we're speaking, recording this, um, mm. Holland America is doing the reverse itinerary of their voyage they first did 150 years mm-hmm. ago. So Rotterdam will be sailing from New York back to Rotterdam, mm. and that's where their 150th celebrations will kick off in about a week's time or so. Yeah. I know uh, maritime historian Bill Miller is on board the Rotterdam at the moment for that special oh. voyage. So yeah, yeah. the um, passengers on board, that will be in for a real treat with his talks. Brilliant. Good news. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, we've got a couple of listener questions, Chris. Um, the first one is, actually came in a couple of weeks ago, and it came in from Keith, who was previously given as a review of Holland America Line. He's a bit of a Holland America fan. Mm. Um, he has just been on board the new Staten Dam, and whilst he was in port, he noticed an intriguing or an interesting shape on the rear of the, the hull, mm. below deck one. And he asked if uh, either of us knew what this purpose of the structure is. Now, it's hard to describe, but I will put the, the image in the show notes so that people can have a look if they want to. Mm. I think I know the answer, um, but I have sent it to Holland America, who have yet to come back with the official response. But I think yeah. you might also know as well. Yes. So to describe it, um, it's at the stern end of the ship, at the very back. And the particular ship that it, that's being shown is um, the New Amsterdam, isn't it? Um, and uh, New Staten Dam, I think. New Staten Dam, New Staten Dam, yeah. and uh, it's one of the one of the ships that has a very squared off transom stern um, design. So um, I think it's this. I think it's the signature class, the one the one bigger mm. than the Vista class, but it's very similar to the Vista class that they use as well across the Carnival Corporation brands. And what it what it is is a sort of like a a structure that sits out quite close to the waterline and and then juts out behind the ship. So what it's called in colloquial terms is a duck tail, and it's mm-hmm. called so called because many of them um, look a little bit like the tail of a duck that kind of just sits out in that kind of almost mm-hmm. sort of tr- almost triangular angle towards the aft end of the ship. This one is a little bit boxier, and mm-hmm. the idea behind it is it's actually um, a. a, a a design device that's that's used to to do a few things. It can essentially it increases the water line 
the length of the ship at the waterline towards the stern, which then makes the way that the water interacts against the transom stern a little bit different. So if you mm-hmm. take a step back from that, there's a various different stern designs. There's the counter stern, which is the one that Titanic had, for example, where the stern hangs over and then it kind of pulls back in and goes down sort of straight to the waterline with the rudder sometimes showing um, above the waterline. Mm-hmm. Then there's the cruiser stern, which was the curved almost like a cup-shaped stern that you would have seen on ships like Queen Elizabeth, Queen Mary, uh, QE2 had a a, a modern cruiser stern. Um, Then there's the the transom, which is the square one, and the transom sterns are good from a hydrodynamic point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are squared off at the back, they they basically. It, it, I did an interview with Stephen Payne a little while ago about about stern designs on ships and why Queen Mary two stern is the way it is, and how he sort of worded it is that it tricks the water into thinking that the ship is longer um, than it is okay. because of the squared off design. It doesn't have like the tapering effect. Um, yeah. There's actually a video in my YouTube. It's called the Design Secrets of the Queen Mary two, and if you want to hear his exact words, that's where you need to go to listen to it. So I'm just paraphrasing here. <laughs> but because, um, of course, he knows like endless amounts more than I do <laughs> when it comes to this sort of thing. But um, what happens with the with the, with the uh, the transom stern is when the ship's going up and down in the water, it can quite often, um, because it's quite big and flat, it kind of, kind of uh, it emphasizes the, the feeling of the ship coming down in waves as well. So ducktails can um, help reduce the, the the feeling of the movement of the ship towards the aft end. They also change the the water flow towards the aft end of the ship, so it can improve the way that the wake uh, interacts with the propellers and co- creates um, vapor, which then kind of implodes and causes a vibrating feeling. Quite a lot of ships in history have had cavitation issues, so you might find that there are ships like. The Holland America ones that they've, I think, they were built with with the ducktails. But there are other ships that have had um, ducktails added later in their mm-hmm. careers to correct a problem that has been an issue with them for some time, or maybe is worsening over time. And then they put the ducktail on to try and um, rectify that aft um, design. Um, you rarely see them on cruiser sterns, but cruiser sterns have less probably less problems when it comes to things like vibrations but more issues when it comes to hydrodynamic efficiency so it's sort of a playoff as to which sort of design you're going to use and what kind of benefits you want to get out of the design of the ship and the ducktail can some, sometimes help them use that sort of small squared off um uh transom stern design but but still allow for the water flow to act a little bit more like it's on a cruiser stern Awesome, Chris. I knew you'd have a technical answer. Um, <laughs> I knew the, the gist of it, but I didn't, wouldn't know how to explain it in the ways that you did. So uh, well done and thanks for that. And thanks to Keith for sending in um, that great question. Now, we also had another listener question come in from Kerry. And Kerry actually also supported us by, a, by a, buy me a coffee last week. So thank you for that, oh, Kerry. Thank you, Kerry. Yeah. Um, now, the question is around her husband has just started working for Cunard and they're taking their first cruise to Norway, actually in July of this year, Chris. Oh, she's on a seven-night itinerary out of Southampton. And uh, so far, she's booked one excursion to go and see one of the glaciers. Um, and she's doing lots of different research. And um, she's just 
a little bit cautious. She doesn't want to find herself sat on a, a coach taking in scenic views for a whole day um, with the hairpin bends and things um, and wonders how easy it is just to uh, to put on the hiking boots and go for a walk and find her own way around. And um, the good news is it's actually quite easy to do that, I think, in Norway. Mm. Um I've not actually done a, a Cunard cruise myself in Norway, but I have done the the good old Hurtigruten. And um, some of the places that she's visiting here, I have been to, and certainly in the, the likes of Bergen and some of the other the towns, you can definitely just get off and walk around. And there is normally wildlife in a very, very close proximity to, mm. to where the ship will be docking. Um, alternatively, of course, uh, there's a couple of companies. Cruising Excursions used to be a, a firm favorite of mine. They've actually been brought, and now they're actually uh, – um, Venture Ashore is their new name, the part of the oh, Hornblower Group. Mm-hmm. And you can find independent touring, private guides, you, and all sorts of things. And they're, they're generally considerably cheaper than what you can find on the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. So I'll put a little link to that in uh, the show notes. There's a couple of different companies, as I mentioned. Uh, the one that I've previously used as cruising excursions is now Venture Ashore. So uh, mm-hmm. take a little look. But do let us know what you think of your, your first cruise, Kerry, because uh, it's a beautiful part of the world. And, of course, traveling on Queen Victoria will be pretty special as well. My best um, uh, activity I ever did in Norway was actually on Queen Victoria 10 years ago, 20, 2013. Oh, really? Yeah, we were in Grangerfjord. And uh, I noticed this this big yellow helicopter buzzing around the place. So I went, went in search of this helicopter. I, thought that oh, I remember this actually now. Yeah, go on, carry yeah, on. Yeah, it looks interesting. Um, and so uh, um, and I was traveling with my dad who didn't really want to go on a, um, on a helicopter, but um, I convinced him to have a go. And... <laughs> uh, we found the we found the person who was making the bookings, and then wandered off down to this helicopter. And it was a big, uh, I think it was a six seater, so there was three in the front and three in the back. Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course, one of them was a pilot. And we're sitting in this thing, already pre-flight safety briefing and ready to go. And then they couldn't, the, for some reason, the, the the motor wouldn't start up. So the next minute, he pilots out on the roof of the helicopter with his with his colleague, and they're tinkering around with the with the motor. And he just <laughs> comes back in. And he says to us, "Don't don't worry." It's just the starter motor that's having problems. The actual motor is fine. They get it up and running. We're like, okay, I guess we're going. And then we go for this this beautiful, <laughs> amazing scenic flight around um, Grangerfjord. But at the end, there's the there's the glacier, and then it kind of comes up and then down, quite quite steeply down towards where the ship is. <laughs> and um, as we're coming up over this, the pilot says, <laughs> "You know that saying that they have: what goes up must come down." And then he just like kind of how do best to describe it. As we're going over the, the 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 top of the glacier and then down towards this sort of ravine, he kind of just nose dives it down towards the ship. <laughs> and turns out, which we found out after the fact, that he's actually a stunt pilot. <laughs> he does it. Oh wow! Shows. Um, and it was all very it was all very safe, but it felt pretty exhilarating, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he brought us in, and he did this amazing fly pass where he went around past and it was um uh, queen victoria was there but there was also there was a herd of Gruten ship as well um the, the small one of the small ones um, yeah. uh, I, I looked her up just recently actually she was built in 1987 but her name escapes me now um <laughs> but uh the two of them were there and uh and, and we came in for a beautiful beautiful landing i actually have a little video of it on my youtube channel i'll, I'll send you the link to put it in the show notes. yeah send that and i'll put it in the um, show notes definitely yeah sounds good I, I missed the bit of the of the the crazy you know, drop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I did get the flyer for the ship, which was nice. Fair play. <laughs> awesome. Now, Barry, I have a fact or fiction for you that leads on from Keith's question. 
So are you, oh, are you, okay. pre- are you prepared? Well, I'm not prepared, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> fact or fiction? All right. So fact or fiction? One mm-hmm. of the ships that had um, a ducktail added to her was a ship called the Oriana. It was um, built in 1995 for P&O mm-hmm. cruises. And um, she she actually had it added onto her because she had a, a cavitation slash vibrations issue at the back of the ship. And the vibrations, here's the fact or fiction, the vibrations on the ship were so bad when she was underway that they ended up deactivating the aft restaurant when the ship was at sea. No, can't be that bad, surely. Fiction. You're going fiction. Ah, you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Although, so this one has an asterisk next to it because if the ship was travelling at speed, like at high speed, mm-hmm. the restaurant was so bad that they couldn't actually comfortably utilize it. So <laughs> rather than deactivating the restaurant, Oriana would actually slow down at mealtimes so that Get the away. aft restaurant <laughs> could be comfortably used. So it's fiction in terms of them deactivating it, but the fact, yeah, yeah. The fact element of this one is that she did have pretty, pretty bad vibrations. And in fact, after the ship's maiden voyage, um, after after several cruises, she was sent back to the shipyard for some remedial works, and they never were able to quite, like, were never <laughs> able to sort it out. And then they put the they put the ducktail on, and that helped slightly, and it also allowed them to to modify some of the aft ends of the ship to to have extra cabins and redistribute the weight. But yep. the, the restaurant was never the aft restaurant. They had a, they had two restaurants, Peninsula and Oriental, um, on Oriana, and it was never um, it was never very comfortable in the back one if the ship was was on, which is a real shame because she was actually designed quite fast to allow her to transit from Southampton and get right across the Bay of Biscay into the Mediterranean mm-hmm. really quick yeah. that relied her to relied on her having to go fast so of course they would finish the meal service and then clear out the restaurant and then every they would <laughs> full speed ahead yeah 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 <laughs> there you go Awesome. She sells at Piano Land now in China so I, I, I mean they haven't done any major work so I imagine they have the same issue with her there <laughs> Good work, Chris. Love it. Now uh, let's get straight into cruise news after this little break. Sounds good. Subscribe now and rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. So, Chris, a lot of cruise news to get through this week, as always. And if listeners are wanting a little bit of extra information or want to uh, read it for themselves, they can mm-hmm. do so, of course, in the show notes of each and every episode. Just head to the uh, the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Now, let's start off with Viking, who mm. have already opened up this past week river cruising for 2025. Yes, I know. It's They've got so much demand, they say, that they've opened up into 2025 um which again is like a trend that we're seeing across we mm. mentioned it last week that there was some 2025 news as well so it's amazing that um, the demand for cruising is so high um and you also uh preempted this last week but of course they they have earned top honors in the um, cruise critic 2023 cruises choice awards Baz. Yeah, yeah, both Viking and Virgin have uh, really taken home the majority mm-hmm. of those awards, so well done to, to both of those. Um, and if people are looking for a river cruise with Viking in 2024 or 2025, forget 2023, they've got next to no availability. Mm. Um, but yeah, they've got the 15-day Grand Europe, which is, of course, Amsterdam through to Budapest. They've mm. got the 23-day Sojourn, which is Amsterdam to Bucharest or reverse. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Eight Day Paris and the Heart of Normandy, uh, Paris Return. Mm. We've got the uh, the Portugal Cruise, of course, the Ten Days uh, Rivers of Gold from Lisbon to Porto. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pharaohs and Pyramids, which is round trip Cairo, twelve days, or of course, not forgetting the Mekong, which is a fifteen day Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh or reverse. Which one would you choose, Chris? Uh, Pharaohs and Pyramids, Cairo to Cairo. Very, yeah. very popular. I, uh, I imagine it would be, and, and the Viking style there as well, right? Mm. Like, I mean, that, that um, quality that they that they bring, but also to be able to see such remarkable um, sights from from the water would be superb. How about mm. you? Um, I was probably going to say that one, but given that you have, I wouldn't oh, mind. You can come too. <laughs> <laughs> um. I quite like to do the uh, the Paris out to Normandy actually. Yeah, um, yeah fair enough. Paris, uh, good for food. It's got great uh, cider um, uh, and uh, wine in that particular part. So yeah, that wouldn't be too bad either. Mm. Now let's head across to Swan Electronic next. Um, they've just announced that they've taken delivery of their third ship, which is named SH Diana. Yes, she's the third in the expedition style ships that they're bringing into the market. Um, it's uh, the largest uh, one that they've brought in so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has taken been taking delivery at the um, Helsinki shipyard where she's been being built mm-hmm. um, and has just passed through um, after that the Kiel Canal mm. uh, on her on her way to being delivered. Um, so she's sailing from Palermo um, on her inaugural, inaugural uh, voyage. And uh, you know, he's a much much welcome member of the fleet, given that they've very quickly brought three new ships into the market. Baz, mm, no, they've done a great job. Um, of course, her christening is taking place on the fourth of May. We I think we've touched on before mm. the uh, the godmother or the madrina is Valerie Wilson, who will be uh, helping with the naming and the traditions that go along with uh, that ceremony. Mm. Now, we're bringing it a little closer to home next uh, because Coral Expeditions, which, of course, is famous for uh, small ship expeditions uh, close to the coast of Australia, um, they've just announced an expanded season of the Spice Islands. Now, I guess we probably need to touch on where the Spice Islands are for some some listeners. Yes, Baz, yeah. The Spice Islands are in West Papua, um, just north of uh, Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, And these voyages aptly are departing from Darwin. So, of course, the the part of um, Australia that uh, is, is very close to that part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Australian-based cruise line, but expanding its footprint, as you say. There's voyages between um, Darwin and Sarong. Yeah, and they offer a, a charter flight actually to get people back to Darwin because it's quite a difficult place to to get to. Um, yeah, yeah. And these voyages that we're talking about are taking place in uh, early 2025. So uh, mm. they, they must be popular because there's only 120 guests on these particular ships, of course. And uh, some of the things that they get to see and do along the way are pretty spectacular. Absolutely, yeah, and they've got um, you know some of the highlights that they've noted as the and as part of the itinerary is things like swimming with the uh, the whale sharks, which is mm. just remarkable, I and mean, it's definitely something that's on my bucket list. Um, but there's all sorts of other expedition experiences that they have uh, as part of these these voyages, um, and you know I think uh, the small ships with um, you know very intimate um, 120 guests, it's a, it's a very sort of private experience as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, they'll, they'll do incredibly well, I'm sure. Now, uh, staying in Australia, we're talking about Carnival uh, Cruise Lines. They've got a double whammy of news this week. Uh, the first of which is that, um, you know, Carnival does a great job of partnering with children hospitals um, mm. all over the world, wherever they home ports. 
And of course, Carnival Luminosa is home ported in Brisbane for part of the year or has been this, uh, mm-hmm. this uh, wave season. Um, and they've raised a lovely amount of money for the uh, the Queensland Children's Hospital and had a little bit of a, an event, uh, uh, mm. uh, Dr. Zeus Breakfast on board for some of the patients from the, the hospital. Yeah, they presented them with a check for 34245 Australian uh, dollars there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on top of a, a previous donation of around $10,000 that was um, that was presented as well for um, – for for children um children's charities mm-hmm. so yeah this one is in conjunction as you say with the children's hospital uh, foundation in queensland they've had uh, events on board the ship so the cat in the hat thing one and thing two have been on board um and the, the children were, were uh, who were on the ship were given um green eggs and ham <laughs> <laughs> um to, to have a to have a taste with and there was you know, singing and dancing by the crews and waiters they put on a big um fun activity which uh, you know carnival is so well known for yeah, there's some nice photos, actually. I might put a couple of those in the show notes. Um, of course, one of the things that they do to raise money is the conga for kids, where uh, travellers or passengers can uh, make a small donation and take part in the conga for kids. And that's just mm. some of the fun activities they do to try and raise money in, uh, on the various ships uh, across mm. the fleet, of course. Now, staying with Carnival once again, I have to admit, when this came out, I actually thought it was an April Fool's joke, but uh, <laughs> it turns out it's not. Uh, Carnival is decking the halls for Grinchmas in July cruises. Yes, another Dr. Seuss theme um, on board. So it'd be Grinch-themed um, cruises, uh, basically pulling in the Christmas in July um, yeah. activities, but making it uh, fun in that classic Carnival style by having a bit of a, a play um, on things like um, on the Grinch and, and the Doctor Who connection. Um, so there's a, quite a few of them, actually, um, these Grinchmas um, uh, sailings. There's one that departs on the 30th of June, um, and then it's followed by one on the 9th of July, 13th of July, 16th of July, and the 28th of July. So it's kind of like that July block of cruises um, on board. I think it's Splendor. Yeah, that's right, Carnival Splendor. Yep, yep. yep. Now, I have to admit, before coming to Australia, I'd never heard of Christmas in July, so I think it must be a Southern Hemisphere thing. Mm. So for the benefit of people in the, the Northern Hemisphere, the only thing I can understand is why we do it is because it's winter down here, mm. um, and obviously our normal Christmas is quite a warm and hot experience. So by doing this in winter, it gives us a second opportunity to uh, just celebrate something for the fun of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere and you're at Christmas time singing Christmas carols about snow and all sorts of other <laughs> stuff, you know, we just don't have that experience at all here. And even though, um, you know, as for most people in, in in Australia, but you know, Southern Africa as well, there's there's not an awful lot of snow even in winter in, in most parts. But it is colder. It is um, it it is uh, a way to sort of have that Christmas feeling. And I think a lot of people who who've um, migrated from other parts of the world, from the northern hemisphere, they do they do miss that cold uh, winter's uh, uh, <laughs> lunch. So it's uh, it's a nice opportunity to I guess just have another party. Yeah, exactly. Now we're heading up to the northern hemisphere for the next bit of news, Chris, because Saga have announced uh, all of their deployments and uh, voyages that are available for 2024, and there's been some tweaks to what they include. Yes, exactly. So I mean. Um, they've tweaked their UK travel packages. So they've got chauffeur service, which has been extended to 300 miles from the departure port. Yeah, I think previously it was probably 150, I think, from memory. Um, yeah, it might be 250, actually. Oh, 250, sorry, yeah. 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 So they've, they've just extended that a bit to allow more people to, to access it. And, you know, Saga, of course, 
is is known for traveling to, from ports that aren't just Southampton. So although they mm -hmm. do have um, connections in Southampton and they've got um, people who, who might choose to fly into to London or Southampton to, to board the ships, they also do um, so, you know services and departures from other parts of the UK. Um, but there's also a heap of uh, um, amenities and, and additions that they've brought on board the ships as well, Baz. Mm. So traditionally, they they offered um, beverages um, in the cruise fair. They've upped some of those beverages to be more premium spirits. Uh, they've got uh, Wi-Fi, fitness classes, uh, etc., all mm. being woven into the mix. So it's becoming a more um, inclusive option for people wanting to choose with Saga, which is of course the brand famous for cruising for the or travel in general. I think for the was it the over forty fives or the over fifties? I know I'm not allowed on board. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, moving on to celebrity, we've spoken quite a bit over the, the, the course of the podcast about a Celebrity Edge series and, of course, uh, the famous Captain Kate. Now, the, the fifth uh, ship in this Edge class is uh, on the horizon, Chris, and they're taking it one step further because they're uh, having flex fuel engines, whatever that may mean. Yeah, so this um, this ship's which been under construction at uh, La Chantier de l'Atlantique in Saint Nazaire in France. It's got this new uh, Watzilla uh, power plant on board, so it's um, uh, eight cylinder uh, engines, but they can use. It's a special design of engine that allows them to use multiple sources of fuel. Mm -hmm. So rather than it being designed only to run on like the heavy crude sort of yep. style diesel, um, uh, heavy bunker fuel rather, uh, this one can actually take three different types of fuel, um, including methanol, which is really mm. interesting. Mm. Um, so it just it effectively reduces the carbon footprint, but also things like um, sulfur mm -hmm. and, um, and, and particulate matter, which of course is such a problem for ships when they're in you know delicate areas of the world, but j just in general, of course, but also when they're, particularly when they're sailing into yeah, um, pristine sort of natural areas is really important to have this ultimate fuel source. So these engines are very flexible and allow the ship to to meet the standards in the various different places that it would be selling. Is is how I understand it. Yeah, and it's of course being part of the the Royal Caribbean group. I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, future Royal and Silver Sea ships also embracing this technology as well. Mm. Yeah, look, there's a lot of ships that have been um, that have been around for a while now that are approaching their midlife refits, and it would be interesting to see how many of them get um, engine upgrades as part of that because, you know, previously as ships aged, they became probably um, more, you know, dirtier as they get older and they, mm -hmm. their engines aren't as up to the same spec, but with the, the eye of the, of the world looking on environmental credentials now, it might be, it might be a new trend. I'm be curious to see how this changes in, in the ongoing story of the evolution of the passenger ship. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And from the, the engines and motors of a cruise ship to the engines and motors of Formula One Grand Prix, Windstar have announced that not only are they uh, offering the, the Monaco Grand Prix, which they have mm. done since the 90s, they're actually now partnering up and offering uh, the Formula One race from Abu Dhabi as well. That's true, yes. I mean, Windstar, they're um, having had that long relationship, as you say, um, with uh, the, the Monaco Grand Prix. So it's going to be... Um, yeah, so they had that long uh, relationship with Monaco, as you say, and this year's one in, in May will be um, there in Monaco, will be on board Windsurf, which is one of their um, their 342-passenger th uh, motorized sailing yachts, which mm -hmm, is an mm -hmm. uh, interesting design where you've got both the, the sails. It can be run fully under wind power, but also has the engine for, for, yep. for use where it's um, required. Um, very interesting ship. But they've also got a new fleet of, um, or a newer fleet of ships, of course, when they took on the former um, Seabourn uh, mm. 
super yachts and refurbished them. So we've got one of those um, those ones heading up uh, to to Abu Dhabi for the Grand Prix in 2023, Baz. Yeah, Star Legend will be operating operating the Abu Dhabi um, Grand Prix, um, and I think it's it's going to be particularly popular. I know that MSC have partnered as their their major big cruise line, but uh, there's, it's always good to have a, a smaller, more intimate experience available for those that want it as well. Absolutely. And lastly, a little bit of news which I'm sure is very close to your heart, Chris. Uh, PNO UK have announced a multi-billion pound investment in Arcadia and Aurora. Yes, I know how exciting this is, and it's really great to see as well because Aurora is my absolute favorite piano UK ship, um, and you know she's twenty three years old now. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been wondering about this one for a while because when you saw um, NCL just recently spend a hundred million dollars on Norwegian Spirit, which was built at the same. Um, uh, well, it was built in, in Germany, which has got very similar engineering to Aurora. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was curious as to whether or not Aurora might get that kind of big investment life extension, and it's really nice to see that it looks like she is. Um, so they've got actually two things that they've announced. Uh, they're doing a series of refreshments that are going to be taking place this year on board these ships. Yep. But then both ships are going to go in for major refurbishments in about 12 to 18 months' time. Mm-hmm. So Arcadia... Um, is going to have a big refit in November of next of next year, rather. Um, and Aurora's is scheduled for for just about two years time from now in 2025. She's going to have another mm. very big refit. So that will kind of be, I guess, effectively their midlife refits. And um, uh, it's really exciting to see that they're investing on their on their smaller adults only ships. Um, but also the the you know these ships. They were big ships by historic standards, but by P&O's fleet today <laughs> are the small ships in the fleet. Yeah. And many people just love them because of their more intimate size. And I think it would be um, great to see them staying with the with the company for many years to come. Yeah, I cruised on Aurora back when she was still a, a family ship. So she still mm. had kids club facilities on board. Um, and she's got a really good flow. I really like her, actually. She's, she's got beautiful. A, beautiful yeah. ship. Yeah. And it's got that really good, very well-engineered ship, which is nice to see. Mm, excellent well done now before we let you run off chris uh, you of course are doing a run a little later in the year and uh, just sort of Mm -hmm. give uh, the listeners an opportunity once again if they haven't done so already and are in a position to do so that they can obviously support you in Mm, uh, this activity which of course is raising money for the type 1 diabetes family center which is a a very interesting um one of a kind service in australia for people living with type 1 diabetes it's sort of a um, offers a, a style of support with a very active community, um, very supportive group of people, but also clinical services, uh, mental health services, life coaching services, um, in a in an environment that is not clinical in its nature. So it's a mm. it's a very um, friendly, welcoming, family focused place. Um, I've recently this year. Um, realized actually that quite a few people that I know and I'm friends with are living with type one. I've learned a lot about type one diabetes. It's very, very, um, it's a very misunderstood, uh, condition. It's a lifelong condition. It's something that could happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and is not something that you can stop with diet and exercise. Basically it's very different from type two. Um, and so, yeah, when I was, I was looking for another challenge after the Cape to Cape last year and thought, this is a very worthy cause. And Baz, I'm only $175 away from making the $2,000 oh, brilliant! in my, in my um, 
fundraising effort. And so if I could just get a couple of people to, to make some, some small donations and tick over that 2K mark, I would be over the moon. Definitely. Let's, uh, let's try and get that done for you this week. And uh, next week, we can announce that you got there. Thank you. That sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> now, I actually don't have uh, any gripes this week, Chris. I've got nothing uh, to say about uh, what's got my ship. But have you got anything to, to share at all? No, no, I'm happy this week. Everything's good. It's all good. It's Easter. It's, uh, it's, it's all Easter, good. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we we had um, my main one was the one that I shared a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and I think we've had quite a few people actually send um, messages of uh, of support on that one <laughs> in terms of treating people a little bit better, the service people a little bit better on um, you know, on cruise ships, but also on airlines and hotels and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, well, a. Let's end on a positive then. Yeah, let's end on the positive. I hope everyone has a great um, long weekend wherever you are, whether you're celebrating Easter or just enjoying the days off. It's, um, yep. I hope you can spend some time with your friends and family. Sounds good. And, of course, we'll be back uh, same time next week with another episode, which is uh, going to air just before you go off on your next little adventure because, of course, yep. you're off to see the uh, the solar eclipse, aren't you? I am. I'm joining P&O on, uh, on the uh, Pacific um explorer and we're going up the west australian coast to have a look at the um the king of eclipse it'd be very interesting and um, being on a ship you know it's going to be great because uh it can mm-hmm. position itself right where you want to see that the most apparently it's going to be about three hours from start to finish with the oh, wow. with the sun sort of um darkening and then coming back back light again uh but the actual eclipse itself lasts for you know the full eclipse lasts for just over a minute so right. it'll be quite an exciting um little activity uh, and for anybody who's interested in a bit more about what I was talking about in the maritime history, I do have a new video that went up about that 90th anniversary celebration um, on my YouTube channel. And then also, since we last spoke, um, one about Cunard's uh, 100th anniversary of their world cruise. So there's two mm. new videos up there. Um, YouTube starting to get a little bit of attention again, which is nice. <laughs> um, so there's two things there which we can stick in the show notes for people to have a look at. Yeah, of course. The link to Chris's YouTube channel is always in the show notes, so take a look. And uh, such a great back catalogue there of, uh, of things that you can take a look at when you uh, want to jump in and uh, yeah, get lost for a fair few hours, I reckon. And I tell you, if anybody's interested in helping me out with a fact or fiction, because I've got to think of these things each week, and <laughs> Barry doesn't know the answer. If you go to my website, um, uh, chriscunard.com, it's my, my history website. Um, there's a section called About Chris, and then there's a section there called Contact Us. And if you use the contact form and send me in something that I could use to trick Baz, <laughs> don't send it to the podcast because he'll read it. So send it to me, um, and then you can help me trick him because I'm actually finding it a little bit tricky each week to think of something he might not know because he and I have spoken so much, I've probably like, <laughs> rambled on about all this stuff so many times. Oh, bless. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Let's see. And Sounds I'll read out cool. if it's if it's a fact or fiction that somebody else suggests, I'll I'll let I'll let you know after you've um, chosen it, okay. whether it was a, a listener or not. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, mate. Well, you go and enjoy the rest of the long weekend, and we will speak again same time next week. Sounds great. Have a great long weekend, everyone. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.